EDM board bombs. Welcome back to another episode of EM Board Moms. Uh, it's good to have you guys here. I'm here joined by my co-host, uh, co-founder, uh, Dr. Briggs. How are you, Dr. Briggs? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you again for co-hosting and co-founding EM Board Moms with me. <laughs> yes, always, always. Um, you know, I your stem or your introduction, rather, in the last one about the coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how'd that go? How'd that meeting go? Uh, it First of all. I know most people think we're joking, although you weren't joking on that one. It, mm-hmm. And it's not for the lobby. I'm designing my own coffee shop. Why would it be in the Yes, hospital? I know. You say my, but you're getting me involved with this. You know that. <laughs> We've talked about this. It's Anyways, a joint venture. I hope to open uh, the coffee shop. It's going to be called uh, a Coffee Doctor is the title of it. And uh, it'll... I think, I think beans and boards would be better. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, uh, for every uh, 15, 20 minute episode, we like to drop high yield board knowledge, board content, but also just knowledge for EM life, right? Mm-hmm. As the kids say. Um, so <laughs> let's just jump right into the STEM. You ready? No, yeah, I've been ready. Okay, good, good. So a 32 year old female presents to your ED with a chief complaint of headache, neck pain, and difficulty with walking. She thinks that somebody spiked her boba tea after she had her usual chiropractic manipulation performed. She brought her boba tea with her and is requesting that you test the tea for toxins. You ask what type of chiropractic manipulation was performed, and she states that it was the usual neck manipulation, and she is really pumped about her session because she said she heard more cracks than usual. (laughs) So she subsequently, you know, had her manipulation, went to the boba shop that was conveniently located right next door, and her symptoms started right after that. Her friend who's with her whispers to you, I think she spiked her own drink with some alcohol. You are just puzzled by this whole situation. So which of the following tests is going to yield the underlying pathology for this patient? Is it A, UDS? Is it B, ETOH level? C, MRI, or D, CTA head and neck. And Briggs, before we get into the answer, talk about emrapidbombs.supercast. Boards are coming up. Mm -hmm. It's a holiday season for us. (laughs) It really is. It's a busy year. Now it's like when everyone just signs up, you know? So, right. It's a busy yeah, year so, for us for content creation. So, the, yeah, boards are right around the corner. If you're a new grad don't know that, you, you should probably look into registering for your board exam this fall. <laughs> um, so typically, <laughs> you should probably look into that. So board exams are coming up, and we have the perfect study tool for you. We are just absolutely thrilled to offer you the only question bank podcast mm-hmm. on the planet. For emergency medicine, which is pretty awesome. We offer you these digestible, delectable EM podcast episodes, less than four minutes long. They go over coaching elements, tell you what's right or wrong on the boards, and also tell you what's important for real life, which is great. We tell you the difference. We make it fun, make it exciting. And we also do these mashup episodes that we just did one recently, actually, for premium subscribers only. Together, right? Yeah, a lot of the feedback we got was folks wanted to hear us together on the pod, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're doing some special episodes 
Um, we're dropping them a few times a month right. uh, with me and Blake to separate sessions for our uh, in addition to the usual yeah in you addition to the it, usual yeah. sessions right. and with you get, video with, with oh yeah and you get weekly emails too of, right. uh, really what the content what we talked about things like that so pretty exciting stuff sign up check it out emrapidbombs.supercast.com the link is in the show notes here podcast description you can also just go to our brand new amazing incredible beautiful EM website. Check out our new digs. Go check it out. It's nice. Hey, so what's the answer here? Correct answer is choice D, CTA, head and neck. So Mm. some of you probably caught on about this from our funny question stem, but in reality, this is a very complicated, difficult diagnosis, but we are talking about cervical artery dissections. They are a common cause of stroke in young people less than 50 years old, with some reports of up to 20% of these strokes in young people being from dissections. Isn't that crazy? They can occur at Mm. any age though. Much Mm. like an aortic dissection, there's some loss of structure along the wall of the internal carotid artery or the vertebral artery. And it allows blood to collect within the intima. And it's the same type of pathology that happens here, like a dissection, except that there's usually no rupture. Usually it's an internal affair thing. Now in patients less than 50 years old, dissections will account for like 20% of ischemic strokes. That is insane. These are a very common thing in young people. Yeah. The overall incidence, though, just to compare things, because you're probably wondering, well, do I need to worry about this more than a subarachnoid? Yeah. It's more rare than subarachnoid hemorrhage. It's 2.5 per 100,000 annually in the U.S. with a mean age of 45 years old. A subarachnoid hemorrhage is 7 per 100,000. You don't have to memorize those numbers, of course, but we're just giving you context. This is more rare than a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Right. But it's still scary. And the problem is with this is that it's, I believe, more frequently missed probably than subarachnoid hemorrhage. Right, because subarachnoid, those symptoms tend to be pretty classic. They're so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There are even risk uh, scores out there. That you would you say for thunderclap presentation? <laughs> I know. Uh, but it's, it's so much harder. This one is so mm-hmm. much more subtle. And, you know, the worst thing you want to miss is a stroke in someone who's, you know, particularly young. Yeah, young and And healthy. that's how these can mm-hmm. present, right? Very scary. Now, yeah. internal carotid dissections are almost five times as more common as vertebral. Just keep that in mind. But they both can occur, and they both occur separately. So get into that quick pathophysiology. And we're only covering this just to give you context because so many physicians are unfamiliar with this condition. And I think it's really important to understand, okay, what exactly is happening here? This isn't an aortic dissection. This is something else. It is. It is. It's a little bit different. We're going to do this fast because... Remember, yeah. we're a blue collar podcast, you know, yeah. getting Tell into like the pathophys. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Uh, there are other better EM podcasts for that. Yeah. Go listen to their two hour well, lectures. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Maybe better, maybe. <laughs> right. So, a, a separation of the arterial wall layers, that's what's resulting in that dissection. That kind of makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, again, as we kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, extracranial or intracranial. The extracranial is more common. That's when a false lumen is forming and it's continuing to dissect or, oh, I hate this word, but unzip. And, and that's resulting in cerebral ischemia. ischemia. Mm-hmm. So the ischemia is caused by both the hyperperfusion, hypoperfusion, right? Or the thromboembolism. And the latter is going to be a little bit more important here. And you have the compression of the expanding hematoma. It's pressing on sympathetic fibers 
on the outside of the blood vessels and adjacent nerves. And that's resulting in some of those physical exam findings that you might mm-hmm. see, you know, right. corner syndrome, the cranial neuropathies, uh, the pain that the patient's getting as well. So that's mm-hmm. why it's important to know uh, around what area that hematoma is pressing on, you know, in that uh, neck area. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to get into some risk factors here. So the word is, you know, you can have minor trauma and that's associated with 40% of the cases. That's not Whatever a thing. that means. I know. And, and that's what's another thing that's kind of terrifying about this is just right. everyday stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, this does not occur, you know, and obviously this is going to include like motor vehicle crashes and things like that. That's why a lot of times there's this push with cervical spine fractures to get dissection studies as well, right? Mm-hmm. And they can be usual activity-related things, um, mm-hmm. skating, basketball, volleyball, swimming, scuba diving, yoga. We mentioned the chiropractor thing, uh, even intercourse, uh, trampoline use, just going to the amusement park, right? Um, and that's why walking out and getting the newspaper. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's sorry. I just dated, I just dated myself. No one gets a newspaper anymore. I know. I know. But it's just, it's uh, for me, like when I look at like just the category of the list that we've found of this, it's like literally like just say just being alive. Um, and so with that being said, most develop, you know, in the absence of any discernible mechanism and again, just being alive, right? Uh, which makes it even more difficult. Right. Um, so it, the risk factors here, uh, for me, I just think about it. Hey, was there any direct trauma to the neck? Um, that's, I think, important to know. And you can have this kind of delayed presentation as well. That's important to know. And that's what we kind of talked about with the pathophys uh, that we explained. Uh, so asking about, hey, in, in the last 24 hours, was there any trauma to the neck? Did you do any sure. activities that you usually don't do as well? Absolutely. So what I think everyone's waiting for, Briggs, is for you to really get into that presentation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because the risk factors certainly don't help. Right. Right. So you got to think headache and neck pain. And of course, neurologic signs and symptoms. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if you have some neuroscience and symptoms because that'll propel you down you know, a stroke kind of workup and you'll catch it hopefully. Right. But the scary presentations is just this plain old headache and neck pain. That's pretty abstract. The mm. keyword being both headache and neck pain, almost always, hopefully the patients will present with both. Now it's important to add this pathology to your differential patients with headache and neck pain. Both symptoms are the most common ranging 60 to 90% together. Nice little range there, right? But headaches are going to be more common in carotid dissections. And as you could guess, Vertebral dissections are going to have more neck pain. Now, this is the key phrase here. I'm going to say it for a lot of you know people in the back here. It snuck in late to the to the talk. You know, this is going to be headache onset is gradual. It is very rarely thunderclap, if ever. Mm. So, if you see a thunderclap headache, you shouldn't really be thinking about this. You need to be thinking about, of course, a subarachnoid hemorrhage or other you know scary acute massive head bleeds or things like that. This is different. This is a gradual insidious onset headache. Now, both vertebral and carotid dissections have no difference in terms of the occurrence, the frequency, the type of headache. It's just a headache. It's gradual. It's severe. It's moderate to severe, but it is not this thunderclap. Oh, my gosh, it's the worst headache ever, and it started just 10 minutes ago, and it's reached its intensity. Mm -hmm. Not the case at all. So you can't rely on that. What about neurologic symptoms? You would hope that these are there, honestly, because it would just... I hope that they're there because it would help me propel like, okay, wow, this is a big deal. I need to work this up versus I always think about this in my headache patients. I'm like, you know, do I really need to get the CTA or not? Because you don't want to just be randomly ordering CTA and an exon patients. The ischemia symptoms 
are present in about 70% of patients. The problem is they might not be there the first time you see the patient. If they come in the yeah. first day of their headache, these ischemia symptoms, again, are not like a subarachnoid hemorrhage or an mm -hmm. acute stroke. They sometimes take up to two weeks to present. So this yeah. is kind of like almost like a mesenteric ischemia patient or a patient with classic pathology where they're coming in on the second or third diagnosis, maybe getting this diagnosed. Yeah. And maybe they've, they've seen honestly like, like a cerebral sinus thrombosis, you know, yeah, maybe thing. they've seen an ophthalmologist yeah. or they've been to right. urgent care. Those are those right. patients you should be even right. more concerned about. Hey, they're, they're continuing to seek care, help, mm -hmm. their symptoms aren't getting better. You need to rule this out. Right. Now what you're going to look for here is going to be obvious motor sensory deficits. This is why it's so critical We've said this before, and I'll say it again. I tell my residents and students every single shift, if you see a headache patient or back pain, you mean you need to be documenting a full neuro exam every single mm -hmm. time. It, right. takes, it takes less than a minute to do a good neuro exam. Right. You need to be doing that. You need to be documenting it. And it's so important to do that to help one reassure yourself. And what's the most important part of the neuro exam? Just please walk. Please. Yeah, walk your patient. Yeah, yeah. Walk your patient. Just walk the patient. You can do this right as they get there. They're not hooked up to the monitor. There's no right. big deal here. You need right. to be walking your patient doing that. Anyway, that's our, uh, you know, our little uh, nice midweek preaching session. All go. right. So on exam, you're looking for obvious motor sensory deficits. You know, the trunchoitaxia, like I can't sit up in bed or I can't even stand on my own. That's concerning, obviously. Mm -hmm. Of course, the classic ipsilateral horners. I'll talk about that more in a second, what that is and, and why it's not that helpful sometimes. The tongue deviation, a cranial nerve deficit would be associated with that. Or, of course, ophthalmoplegia, like, you know, certain eye movement things you're seeing that uh, a motor palsy. Now, this ipsilateral Horner's thing, meaning the Horner's occurring on the same side. Now, remember that the Horner's syndrome is this um, unilateral ptosis and meiosis. And anhydrosis, a lack of sweating is rarely seen. One, because your patients typically aren't sweating. Uh, two, because it's just not that reliable. The problem is that Horner's syndrome is only seen in about like 25% of the cases. Mm. I know you learned it in medical school, and I know maybe in residency you're doing some board studying, and they're telling you, oh, yeah, the Horner syndrome, Horner syndrome. And that's mm. great for the test. That's fantastic to know that. They're, they're going to probably throw that at you. But in real life, it just it sucks. It's just not reliable. I have personally yeah. never seen a Horner nope. syndrome on a vertebral dissection, uh, and I've seen vertebral dissections. I know you have too. Right. It's just not reliable. It's good to know. You just if you don't see it, don't think, oh well, good. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so, other possible symptoms, of course, associated with dissections can include unilateral hearing loss, tinnitus or tinnitus if you're from Canada, dizziness, and as one physician told me one time, the deadly D's. Yeah. Cue the cue the um, Christopher Nolan dun, dun. music right yeah, there. Yeah, the music. yeah. How's Chris doing, by the way? Have you talked to him? No, I haven't. He's kind of ghosted me after the, <sighs> the recent movie. He's getting all those awards, you know. So he'll come <laughs> he's back gotten, to us. He's gotten too big. He's gotten too when big. things okay. calm down. Yeah. Anyway, he has to remember his roots. So deadly D's, dysarthria, diplopia, dysphagia, and then of course other cranial nerve deficits. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just what you're going to see. Hey, how are you going to diagnosis? We already said the answer. It's CTA. Yeah. It's fast. It's widely available. Unfortunately, I think it's over ordered now. Uh, but these are the patients that are going to need this. The key findings right. on imaging. Don't memorize this. We're just telling you buzzwords that are mentioned on the imaging: vessel stenosis, occlusion, dissecting aneurysm like a pseudoaneurysm, some type of flap like a dissection would show double lumen sign intramural hematoma. Great. All scary stuff. Hey, why don't you sail through this treatment course? These are decisions, of course, you're you're not making on your own. You're yeah. consult with neurologist to help you out or transferring if you don't have a neurologist at your center. But just yeah. breeze through this just so we all know and, what the course is. And, and the way you're going to be tested on this is mm -hmm. going to be some of those neuro findings. It's probably right. going to be a patient, you know, that's relatively young female exactly, uh, that's yeah. coming in and they want you to choose the appropriate imaging modality, not a right. CT non-con, but again, like a CTA, right? 
But when it comes to treatment, um, we mentioned this. So it's going to result in increased risk of thromboembolism, Mm -hmm. which is going to do what? Briggs cause a stroke. Mm -hmm. So this can be a deadly diagnosis as there's up to a 10% mortality prior to even initiating treatment. So in those patients who present with acute ischemic stroke, standard approaches to management of stroke should be followed here. So, you know, treat these patients like a acute stroke, uh, right? Do a stroke workup. Yeah, code yeah. stroke, things like that that you typically would do. Uh, a key caveat, though, is that thrombolytics are relatively contraindicated in those with the intracranial extension of the dissection. Mm-hmm. And another kind of complicating thing, which is kind of obvious, a cervical artery dissection involves the aorta, and, uh, you know, you're dealing with a whole different ball game there. Yeah. <laughs> you're in an entirely different sport. <laughs> yeah, look, this, this is something you're doing, you know, with your neurology team, right? Yeah. Um, so antithrombotic therapy, which such as, you know, antiplatelet agents and anticoagulation, those are kind of the preferred methods for preventing ischemic strokes and TIA complications. Again, all that stuff is going to be in conjunction with your neuro team. Uh, hey, lastly, just get into the prognosis. Yeah, so the recurrence rate is unknown in these patients. It's hotly debated. It doesn't really matter here. Just know that really bad outcomes um, in these patients uh, if it's missed. Mm -hmm. Now, carotid dissections have even worse outcome than vertebral, but excellent recovery has been found in up to 80% of patients. The the disabling deficits, usually because they've been missed, unfortunately, and they come Mm -hmm. back their third presentation in the ED or something and it's too late, they can have a deficit with major disability up to 25% of these patients, death in less than 10%. Yeah. Uh, probably the oddest thing I learned about this condition as we wrap up is that you think, okay, dissection, that's a bleeding risk, right? But mm-hmm. you're giving them anti-thrombotic therapy. The reason is, is what we just said. Right. It's not so much the dissection is the problem. It's not like a rupture, like an aortic dissection. The complication is it forms a clot, is that you right. do a dissection, it disrupts the flow, and then a clot happens, and then you do have a stroke. That's why this right. is so scary. There's other right. complications too, but that's the scariest complication is just, you will have a stroke here from this uh, uh, you're, you're essentially trying to prevent like a massive stroke. Correct. And that's you know, the thing. And it. hopefully the artery will heal on its own too. But anyway, right. so that's really wrapping up this topic here. Remember, we can go to uh, emrapidbombs.supercast.com for our premium podcast. That podcast delivers an amazing amount of information for your boards and for life, mm-hmm. drip learning, coaching on each question, emails every week, mashup episodes with Ultifat and I summarizing big topics. It's the most unique way of studying for boards and really for yeah. medicine, I think, ever. The mashup episode is getting a lot of buzz. Oh, I yeah. think people are loving it. Yeah. And so we actually have a separate kind of private uh, YouTube channel for those mm-hmm. mashup episodes. Uh, so right. folks seem to be enjoying that. It's pretty exciting. Over 385 episodes and counting. It's amazing. Boom. Boom. We'll see you All next right, time. Breaks.